All right, listen, I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice. Here comes the smolder. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and I know exactly what you're thinking. You're looking at the episode description, and you're thinking, episode 26, what the hell? And that is because we are redoing an episode that got lost because my computer sucked at the time, and almost a year later, we're doing this again. So please welcome for take two of this episode. Uh, We're doing reshoots, I think, would be the term. Uh, we've got Alex and Beppo back. Welcome back. Hello. Thank Hello. you for having us for this completely original and brand new, never before completed <laughs> podcast. You heard me do the intro. You know that, that you don't have What? To- <laughs> no. I heard nothing. <laughs> A year ago, I was, I was so young. I had hair. I had less stress. Oh, I can talk. My braces are off. This is fantastic. <laughs> Yay! Uh. Beppo, it's been a while. How you been? Uh, yeah, trying to live life. So it's moving it's good into to... year three of twenty twenty. Yeah. Oh my god! Tell me about it. So it's good to be back and to record something. I haven't been able to talk anything since She Hulk. Yeah, I was just thinking, I think She-Hulk was the last time you were here. I think that was the first time I really did something different with our thumbnails since I took it over and I put us all in like that, that panoramic shot of on on (laughs) She-Hulk. I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah. And I got to color my uh, avatar green, which is always a welcome uh, addition. (laughs) Yeah, I think I did your heart eyes one with that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I made sure you were the one closest to Jen as well. Yes, yes. It was very cute. <laughs> I love my girl. For those of you on Apple, you got to switch over to Spotify if you want to see the fun thumbnails that I create for this, which by, yes. fun, by fun, I mean it's our avatars over a poster or something. Uh, still fun. But I, I enjoy doing it. Heck yeah. So Alex, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing great. I've had a nice weekend of watching football and having minor heart attacks at all the scores of people coming back and destroying my playoff brackets. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to talk about the different eras of Disney animation as we are in the 100th year of the Walt Disney company. And um, last time we were going to do this, uh, we still hadn't received, we still hadn't seen Encanto or strange world, which now we have both of those out. So we get extra content, which is great. Yes. Uh, but before we get into all that, we're going to hear from our friends, Brendan and Matt at on Sheft, which um, a couple of weeks ago was the one year anniversary of them inviting me onto the podcast to talk about yeah. Good Burgers. So I'm going to link that in the episode description as well. There's no <laughs> yeah. sports talk in that one. And it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of me and Matt and Brendan just going. Hah! Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a good one. That was such a good one. The, the the opening to uh, to Good Burger is so amazing because Ed has this hilarious dream about like sentient burgers wanting to be his friends. And then he gets woken up by an alarm clock and he goes, whoa, an alarm clock. <laughs> whoa. 
do that too well, Josh. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, it's Ed. Everyone does a good Ed. It's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. It's just yeah. something that's like deep in our souls. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. So here are Brendan and Matt from Unsheft. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Brendan from the Unsheft podcast. Each week on Unsheft, we unpack a topic regarding the politics and history of our plates in the hope of becoming better eaters. That's Unsheft, available now on your preferred podcast network. Well, we're back. Welcome back to Sports, Muscle Cars, <laughs> Androids, and Carbon Fiber. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I had to get in my head. Oh, uh, no, that's, that's totally staying in as the, the, the transition. <laughs> So, wow, we're here to talk about Disney. <laughs> Welcome to T-Smack, home of the T-Smack. May I take your order? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I might soundbite that as our new intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who loves T-Smack? I love T-Smack. I love T-Smack. Is it true? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> and there's the outro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, it's I guess it's time for the meat and potatoes, isn't it? We are here to talk about the eight eras of Walt Disney Animation Studios. So that does not include Pixar. That does not include their direct-to-video movies made by Toon Disney. That also does not include a Goofy movie, unfortunately, because that would just be king of the entire list. Exactly. Wait, why is a Goofy movie considered? Oh, that's right. Because Disney was going through a weird transitionary period with new CEOs and yeah, uh, they yeah. just needed to fulfill a contract. And they were like, fuck Goofy in this movie. We just need to make a theatrical release for this. Here you go. And then because they had free reign, they made an amazing movie. Yeah. That no one was prepared to understand at the time because i think the the rotten tomatoes critics score from all the reviews back then have it at like a 38 percent which again proves that Ow. rotten tomatoes is not an end-all be-all yeah how yeah it was just ahead of its time also um every time i have every time a goofy movie comes up i have to bring up this fact uh so there's what the heck is that guy's name Aaron Lore is the singing voice for Max. Aaron Lore, you may also know as one half of the Smash Brothers, or no, Bash Brothers from the Mighty Ducks. You have Fulton, and then I can't remember the other guy's name, but that's Aaron Lore. Yep, Aww. yep. So there's your random fact for the day. Nice. But, but again, <laughs> moving into the eight eras of Walt Disney animation. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about quickly, just kind of list out the era. So like, we're starting with the golden age, which runs from 1937 to 1942 and just the movies within it. We're going to talk about which one is our favorite. Maybe talk a little bit about why, and then we're going to move on. We're not going to go too in depth and be like, Oh, well the Walt Disney corporation went broke and they recycled animation cells because everyone knows this stuff now, but we're going to make 10, 15 minute videos about it. Hmm. I'm sensing some, uh, watch Mojo, uh, uh <laughs> eight vibes going on right now. Watch Mojo, Screen Rant, all of it's the same. Yeah. Ugh, don't remind me. <laughs> so yeah, the, the golden age of Walt Disney, which is, uh, something that a lot of people would probably have some kind of fond memories for. We've got Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Then we have Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo and Bambi to round out the golden age. 
So Alex, let's start with you. Which one is your favorite from the golden age? Let me see. What did I think a year ago? Um, what are you talking about? We are a year ago. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I'm going to go with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because while it's so hard because Pinocchio makes me cry, but scars me. Fantasia just has a special place in my heart. Dumbo makes me cry and scars me. Bambi makes me cry and scars me. But I'm going to go with Snow White because I believe that it is a beautiful, strong entry. Like their first go at a live action movie, even though I think it's only like 78 minutes or something really super short. Animation movie. Yeah, animation movie. Thank you. And it sets the foundation for the majority of the tropes that they still rely upon in their animation these days. You know, you have the young heroine who is kind of capable, but needs a little bit of help, which, you know, not necessarily good or bad. I'm not going to get into that. You have, you know, the whole heart of gold, their motley collection of, of people that will assist them along the way, the good heartedness of them. And the one that I think is lingered the most which is the bad guy must die, but not necessarily by their own hand, by their hand, by some kind of happenstance where they fall and are crushed or strangled or something happens slightly off screen, but just enough to horrify you as a child. They're <laughs> killed by their own hubris. Exactly. Good way to put it. Yes. And it, it it's a beautiful looking movie, but it hasn't hit quite the color palette that they will hit in the fifties, which is just gorgeous, but it does hold up in that. It looks lovely. It's easy to watch. It's charming. And if I think if they had come out with perhaps like Pinocchio or or Dumbo or something first, we probably wouldn't have the Disney corporation as we know it today. Oh, easily. Yeah. Uh, There's a reason it's an infamous movie. Or, I'm sorry, not infamous. It is a famous movie. It, it's what really made animated movies matter in the industry. They weren't just little short cartoons you'd watch before an actual movie. It was something that said, hey, look, this can actually be an art form. It still blows my mind that Snow White was the first feature length animated film. And its competition was Warner Brothers trying to make a John Carter of Mars movie that was animated. Like it, it blows my mind that it took almost a hundred years to make a John Carter movie. Yeah. <laughs> God. And that they were trying to make an animated version of it way back in the 1930s. That's crazy. Um, so Beppo, I'm sorry. Did you, uh, did you save Snow White as well? Or were you still? Hmm. For me, I think I have the most fond memories of watching Bambi as a kid. Snow White is iconic. Snow White made the Disney you know that that's what started anime move or anime <laughs> animated <laughs> movies actually matter. Uh, my personal favorite, I I think, would be Bambi. It's just cute. A lot of the artwork is it's it's beautiful, especially mm-hmm. some of the nature scenes. It's just fun and lighthearted. And then it has a very adult and dark uh, segments to it, obviously. Shout outs to Pinocchio, though. That's my mom's favorite movie, along with The Jungle Book. So watch that one a lot as a kid, too. (laughs) I think I would have to agree with Bambi on this list. Snow White is iconic and hi-ho slaps, as the kids say. (laughs) (laughs) Whistle while you work like there. There's so many iconic (laughs) Disney songs from that movie that just are still lasting through time. 
But what really sticks with me is my mom really latched onto Thumper and especially mm-hmm. his mom. If you don't got nothing nice to say, you shouldn't say nothing at all. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's stuck with me forever. And my mom still drops that line at me every now and then. That's adorable. That's cute as hell. Solid picks. Was Fantasia really that early on? Oh, yeah. The original intention of Fantasia was that it was supposed to be a perpetually touring movie that every year to year and a half or so, they were going to actually remove segments and put new ones in. Ah. But it never hit as hard as their other movies. So it was considered a bit of a, a loss leader, which is why when they did Fantasia 2000, it was, I think, Rory E. Disney, one of the nephews, cousins, whichever one that one is of the family. But when they did Fantasia 2000, that was supposed to re-spark that continuation. That was what it was supposed to do. Gotcha, gotcha. That's super cool. I did not realize it was that early. Well, Fantasia 2000, fun fact, is Disney's first ever... No, sorry. Yeah, no. No, second ever animated sequel. Rescuers Done Under is their first ever animated sequel from Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. We'll be getting to that one later <laughs> in the list. So let's let's keep moving along. We've got the wartime era, which led back to uh, more like vignettes and um, anthology style movies because they needed to make more time for these things. They didn't have the, the funds to make feature length movies with a singular storyline. So the wartime era for Walt Disney was 1943 to 1949. Uh, this includes Saludos Amigos, The Three Caballeros, Make Mine Music, Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, The Adventures of Ichabod, and Mr. Toad. So we started with Alex Beppo. Let's start with you this time for the wartime era. So not much has changed since uh, the first time we recorded this, which is right now because we're in the past. I barely saw anything through the wartime. Uh, the most I saw were the cartoon shorts, and I know... <laughs> I remember very distinctly that I brought this up the first time and I'm going to bring it up again. Donald fucking Ducks saying Heil Hitler will forever be the most (laughs) absurd and hilarious thing to me. I will never not laugh at that. Um, Why isn't that on Disney Plus? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's the one I remember the most uh, are the cartoons. It was the same for Looney Tunes because Looney Tunes had wartime cartoons as well. And those are just the ones that I recall fondly. However, of the movies, I did the only one I watched as a kid that I can remember would have been uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So shout out to the wartime cartoons, the shorts, but I would just have to go with Ichabod and Mr. Toad because it's the only one I truly watched as a kid that I remember anyway. Alex, how about you? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the three caballeros because... Much like Beppo, I haven't seen a lot of these, but I remember seeing the Three Caballeros, not the whole show, but like the shorts in the heyday of the Disney Channel in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? You're right, because that's the one where there's like the the green parrot and Mm -hmm. I don't even remember. I have to look up what they look like. But no, okay, I do remember those shorts. So yeah. I did see those, but... In the 90s, um, I think it's Panchito is taken over... The role of Panchito is taken over by Carlos Alizraki, which, Beppo, I know you know, is the voice of Rocco, uh, among yes. other many other characters, uh... like Mr. Crocker. 
He was also the first version of Spyro the Dragon until oh, uh, oh, Tom right. Kenny. Tom Kenny uh, took the role for two and three and and subsequent and uh, a couple of the PlayStation ones. I think that's why you can't trust SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, SpongeBob taking my gerb. SpongeBob <laughs> took my gerb. <laughs> Sorry, fun fact of the day. Yeah. Let the Spyro nerd nerd out about Spyro. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was not until we started talking about this episode that I found out that yeah, these uh, it's those shorts are actually from a from a like a travel log movie that they basically put together to promote South uh, Latin America. Interesting. Yeah, and there's a bunch of hispanic uh hispanic actors and actresses that and singers all meant to promote travel along uh mexico and latin america that's really cool interesting yeah the three caballeros have they they have a a a lasting legacy in disney somehow uh even as a a more or less a, a tourist attraction yeah yeah what are you thinking josh what is yours from the wartime era so mine has, to, I have to go with fun and fancy free. I don't remember any other vignettes in that movie except for Mickey and the Beanstalk. But like that yeah. one has stuck with me for forever. Yeah. And Willie the Giant, God bless his soul. He is the sweetest villain ever. Aww. Hmm. Are you sure you don't want a pink bunny rabbit? Oh, oh my yeah. god, so you're just making me think of Looney Tunes. And I will name him George, and I will, will hug him, him and pet and him and squeeze him. I will love him and squeeze him, and I will name him George. I love that. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, side tangent, but like in my YouTube favorites, one of them is that episode. And still, as an adult, as a child, but as an adult, Daffy Duck going, you're hurting me, is still one of the <laughs> most hilarious freaking things in the world to me. And I just sit there and I go, Daffy, same. <laughs> I'm just gonna my body every day I wake up. You're Aww. hurting me. <laughs> so, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun and fancy free. I, it's got to go for that one for me just because of Mickey and the Beanstalk. But I will give a shout out to uh, the three Caballeros and the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I really hate Mr. Toad, but the, but- the a- adaptation of... Um, Sleepy Hollow, uh, the the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow, whatever it's called, the the actual book. Um, mm-hmm. That it, it's a great interpretation of the book. Yeah, yeah, definitely handsome. I remember watching that like every year in grade school. Like that was like the one thing any teacher in my grade school could agree on is we we have to have fifty copies of the Adventures of Ichabod Crane and Mister Toad so we can show the Adventures of Ichabod. On oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's fuck Yeah! We're on a roll! <laughs> and rolling right into the Silver Age from 1950 to 1967, we have Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, The Sword in the Stone, and The Jungle Book. So we'll cycle back to Alex. Alex, what is your favorite Silver Age movie from the Walt Disney Animation Studio? Sleeping Beauty. I just hell yeah. Yeah. This one it's because it's gorgeous to look at. Every piece of this film is like it was just hand painted. 
meant to be used and hung on the wall as a piece of art. It is gorgeous to look at. It is the vo- uh, the voice of Princess Aurora is lovely, and we have such a deliciously wonderful villain in Maleficent. She is motivated. Mm-hmm. She is angry. She just wants the chick to die. <laughs> she has every good reason to kill her because her parents are assholes. And it's just so good. And yeah, sure, Prince Philip shows up and battles her and there's thorns. But the la- the battle of the castle with the thorns and him battling to it and she turns into a dragon and is this phenomenal beast and he forces her. It's, it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. And you really can't get rid of it. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to cut off Beppo's interjection here. She'll, she can go last for this one just because I, I, I agree with you. So I'm not going to like come back to it. Watch Mojo fact. It almost bankrupted the Walt Disney company, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but sleeping beauty oh, is no. just, it, it's gorgeous. And if you, if you look up like how they animated the movie, they didn't quite rotoscope it, but they did have a model on set and doing certain motions. So the, like the way the dress flows and the way Aurora moves is taken from live, live capture, but it's artists in the room watching this person kind of doing choreography instead of it being rotoscoped, which is just animating over a real person doing the movements. But I, I, I agree with everything Alex just said. Like you, the only thing that I think is any kind of flaw to this movie is when they made the Angelina Jolie movies, which just like shit all over the lore of this movie. Cause like making King Steven just like this complete twat of a human being and making Maleficent uh, uh, an anti-hero with a, a tragic backstory. Like it's, it's just shit. Like if you love it, and I was going to say, if you like the movie, good for you. I do think visually it is really good to look at. But from a storytelling standpoint, it sucks. I, I love a sympathetic villain, but some villains are fantastic and lovable because they're despicable. Uh, like, yeah, that's a whole other side tangent for a whole other day. But I, I agree with you there. So Beppo, what what's your favorite Silver Age Disney animation feature? So this one is tough for me because Alice in Wonderland shaped my entire childhood. I was obsessed with that movie. I loved it. My first cat's name was Alice. Not Dinah, but Alice, <laughs> uh, which would make way too much sense. But... Are you too young to remember the 90s live action Alice uh, syndicated series? Oh, God, uh, with the horrifying like monsters with like wheels for arms and stuff. No, 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 no. That was that was Return to Oz, I think. Um, that was a horrifying. No, they didn't. <laughs> Antonio from the uh, the cult worthy actually put that up for favorite Lego sequels, which I forgot to bring that up when we were talking with the guys from I have some notes. But uh, no, there was a live action Alice in Wonderland, like syndicated TV series that they made. And uh, like that, that was horrifying in and of itself, just because it's like people in bad costumes with face paint. And right. (laughs) They tried to like update it a little bit too. like the Queen of Hearts is a sassy woman who 
uh, just she, oh, child, you, we, we best friends, and like, just n- no. You're like, what is happening, <laughs> Josh? You've unlocked a core memory. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrifying. I'm looking at this on IMDb because you know auto plays like trailer from it. And yeah, I remember this. The the opening theme is Alice like rollerblading through her mirror or her oh, looking glass to go into. It's very 90s. Oh, this sounds amazing. <laughs> if it ever goes up on Disney Plus, like it's going to be one of the most watched things because people yeah. are going to have as Alex just had core memories unlocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I'm sorry I interrupted. No, um, you're Alice fine. Alice in Wonderland, please. So uh, Alice in Wonderland shaped a lot of my childhood. It shaped a lot of who I am. It's still so fantastic and bizarre. However, I think for the sake of just looking at overall close to perfection, Sleeping Beauty has a lot of kind of dull moments in it as far as kind of more iconic things and other th- in other properties. But... Aurora is one of my favorite princesses. She's beautiful. The dancing sequence, um, Once Upon a Dream. And then, of course, just, yeah, the gorgeous animation, the painted backgrounds and and everything. Gorgeous. It's definitely my favorite movie from that era. Very, very, very close second with Alice in Wonderland, though. And then shout out to Jungle Book. That's my mom's other favorite movie. And (laughs) I literally have a black cat named Bagheera, so... Nice. I will shout out Lady and the Tramp uh, just because that is my oldest child's favorite. Aww. By the way, we will be recording a special episode because Adventures in Wonderland, all 99 episodes are on Disney+. Plus. Ah. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's listed as only one season despite it having four seasons, but you just keep scrolling and all 99 episodes nice. are here. <laughs> they did nice. that with uh, Spectacular Spider-Man too, because I think that was split into like two 13-episode seasons, but they're like, hey, it's one season of 26 episodes. All right, let's 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 move into the Bronze Age where uh, Sleeping Beauty has now defunded Disney because they're <laughs> going broke because they, they spent too much money on this. Uh, we have the Aristocats, Robin Hood, the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, The Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron. Now we jump, we're in the 80s with uh, The Black Cauldron, uh, The Great Mouse Detective, and we get really 80s with some Billy Joel and Oliver and Company. Beppo, what is your favorite oh from God. the Bronze Age? Uh, This one's tough. But... We all know it's Oliver and Company because you love some Billy Joel. Why should I worry? Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Sunglasses just like dropped on her face as she started singing that. I don't know where they came from. (laughs) I don't know where she got the piano. The bow tie of sausages is a great touch. I don't know where they came from. Oh, I always keep a bow tie of sausages in my pocket. I can't live without. Uh, This one is tough. Kind of not at the same time. Hands down, great mouse detective. 
period. Uh, However, the reason I say it's tough is because I loved the original Rescuers as well. And actually, it wasn't until I was like a teenager in high school that I realized that the lady yanking off her eyelashes weren't actually her eyelashes. They were false eyelashes because I didn't know those existed. (laughs) And that terrified me as a kid when the lady's just like ripping her eyelashes out of her eye. I'm like, Uh, but easily great mouse detective. Uh, that was always one of my favorites growing up. I was always really close to my dad growing up. I was a daddy's girl. So it like the story would, you know, the whole point with like his daughter being kidnapped. So I'm a kid and that hit me so hard. Is his name Basil? Basil? Uh, but just everything about it is so great. Fucking uh, Vincent Price's Radican is just like oh you can't he hams it up beyond 10 he cranks it up to like 11 out of 5 and i love it radigan brings back the villain song too yeah yeah maybe if not maybe even um like launches the villain song yeah because we really didn't get a lot of like disney musical stuff until the 90s like the renaissance so to me i guess you would have mad madam mim from sword in the stone yeah yeah so to me, that's one of that that is one of the first villain songs. Like that that shit's iconic. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Oh, and I want to be like you. Technically, Louis is a, a villain, although he's only in the movie for five seconds. But right, <laughs> I want to be like you. Would also be a, a villain song. So you you basically he's like a, a top three villain song. Um, but then again, yeah, because yeah, I don't think I would count Cruella Deville as a villain song because it's being sung by an uh one of our protagonists it's a and it's diegetic where well i guess all of them are diegetic but i guess in the way i mean where like the rest of them are clearly like it's like a musical when you go to see one on broadway it's like there's a suspension of disbelief these people aren't actually breaking out into song and dancing around but cruel deville is one of those no he's actually at the piano singing it like it's not just a fantasy moment where everybody breaks out into dance so yeah and it's more it, like you're saying it's more descriptive than anything it's not like it's setting up an an expectation for the character it's not just like oh she's so bad look at how bad she is right so yeah anyway yeah that's that's my pick hands down uh easy peasy lemon squeezy for measy <laughs> <laughs> alex it's, it, you're, you're like it's been too long <laughs> You're like, I forgot about Bubbo's nonsense. <laughs> no, I'm remembering how happy Yay! I am. <laughs> Beppo puts a smile on everyone's face. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Josh? Uh, so from the Bronze Age, I got to go Robin Hood. Nice. I think I got to go Robin Hood just because that is uh, a quintessential interpretation of Robin Hood. Plus, that's the movie that regardless of your gender, your orientation, that movie confused you. That awoke something. In you, oh, my God. And you were like, are foxes attractive? No. <laughs> Josh, don't. Excuse me. Yes, they are. Because years later, we got a song called What Does the Fox Say? Oh, my say? God. <laughs> uh. It was just a celebration of this film. I can tell you right now. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> So I, I I will honorable mention uh, the many the the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Pooh is my favorite Disney character yeah. of all time, 
And then I'll also honorable mention Aristocats because that's another one of my kids' favorites. Marie is their favorite character. Yeah. Uh, we had, I have a great shot of them seeing Marie at Disney World last year Aww. and their face just lit up. It was great. You mean this year? Yeah, this year. Earlier this year. <laughs> yes. We're, we're in the past. We're in the past, we're, yes. We're, we're in late Good. February. No, early March 2022 because I was at Disney in late February 2022. Good save there, man. <laughs> Very smooth. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm keeping him on track. <laughs> we got this, Beto. Yeah. We got this. <laughs> Josh, I have to go with the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh because I love Winnie the Pooh. And Eeyore says, thanks for noticing me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because like, like, when I was in middle school, for some reason, they made us take that the uh, Mike's Brigger test, or whatever, Briggs Meyer test, whatever it's called. And they're like, these people would be you. And I took it and turned out I'm Eeyore, which makes so Aww. much sense. That explains why you and wanted I me love... to find that hat for you while I was at Disney earlier I know, a like, few weeks ago. I have so many Eeyore plushies. And my favorite one is the one where the tail detaches. <laughs> and it, it like goes back on and detaches. And I have like big ones and small ones. And my one of my things, so our cat Nima, she got, um, we had her spayed. But it turns out that something happened a little weird and she actually ended up getting a hernia. So we had to get her get that fixed uh, a little while later. We were keeping her isolated from the rest of the cats, you know, trying to let her recover, trying not to let her move too much because, you know, this is the second surgery she's had related to her abdomen. And one day she was just in the We had Please her Please don't the tell bed. me her tail is going to fall off. No, she's a mink, so she has no tail. Oh, okay. oh no. I kind of might see where this is going. <laughs> no, she was leaning. Uh, she couldn't because she, you know, she normally lays on her side or her back, you know, or, or her tummy, but she couldn't. So we came in, and she's just slumped against my ER plushie, Aww. and she has the same dour expression on her face that he has. Aww. And it was so adorable. I'm like, oh Aww. my god, I'm so in love right now. You're so unhappy. <laughs> That's adorable and sad. Yeah, but adorably sad. Yeah, <laughs> but like. Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree singing the little black rain cloud yeah. and the blustery day. It's just it it's just so sweet yeah. and perfect. And just I mean, the black cauldron should probably be what I pick, or the fox and the hound for scarring me forever for realizing that sometimes it's if you're from opposite sides of the track, you should apparently hunt down your friend and but at the last moment not let your owner kill them and then not really be friends, but introduce your kids to each other awkwardly at the end. But it's got to be the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. No, no, that's good. And one... I, I will give credit to, to I still all the time sing heffalumps and woozles in my head. <laughs> and I sing a little black rain cloud to myself and my spouse Aww. sometimes. Well, the heffalumps and woozles, they're very confusals. They're very confusals. <laughs> Heckin' yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one thing I will say that is a a knock against the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh for me is that either in re-releases or it was released later, it does not have poo sticks on it. What? I'm sorry. Uh, poo sticks. Is, it should. It, I, as far as I know, I've watched at least the Disney plus version and I've watched the, the version I have on Blu-ray poo sticks is not in that series of vignettes or the anthology or whatever it's called uh, with this one. I'm sorry. Um, when you say poo sticks, I'm a little confused. Can you clarify? <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, there's um, it's, it's the game they play. Yeah, they they drop sticks on one side of a bridge and then they run over to see whose stick comes out the other side of the bridge first. Huh. And there in that episode, it, it's an amazing episode. It's an Eeyore focused episode, or yeah, mm-hmm. and we'll say it's an episode where Pooh and Piglet are playing, and all of a sudden they see like Eeyore's tail come out, and then all of a sudden they see Eeyore and they're like, "Hey, Eeyore, what you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I got bounced," and they're like, "Oh, why'd you get bounced?" He's like, "Tigger bounced me." So they they run to Tigger, they ask him what's up, and he's just like, I don't know, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And then they find out that it's also Eeyore's birthday. So Piglet like goes and gets him a balloon, but the balloon gets popped, and Pooh gives him an empty honey pot because of course Pooh ate the honey. And Eeyore is like so ecstatic to receive these things because Aww. he's like, Oh, hey, I can put my deflated balloon in the honey pot and I can take it out. It's a great thing that I can do. Look at this. Uh, he's, it's like it makes him so happy. It, it, it's it's great. But like, as far as I know, it's not on the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Apparently it was a sh- it's called Winnie the Pooh and a day for Eeyore. And it was released in front of the sword in the stone oh. and then repackaged later on. Um, yeah, it has since been included as a bonus feature for many on the VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray release of The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, so that's why it's not on there. It's a bonus episode or bonus feature. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to watch that now. Because I remember that. Yeah, it's it's great. Like, that was my favorite part of the VHS. Like, I think that was my favorite one. My favorite episode of The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is Donkey for a Day, where Eeyore does sky painting. Aww. Which, that one's, that, that's a, a great episode. I watch it probably, like, once a month. Like, I just need a little pick-me-up. But yeah. we're on a big tangent here. So, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and Robin Hood and the Great Mouse Detective for each of us from the Bronze Age. Yeah. Let's move into the Renaissance. Ooh, this one might be controversial because it's a hard pick. <laughs> like, literally everything, everything that came out of this era is good. There's maybe yeah, one on there that I'm like, eh, I don't like it, kind of sucks. But everything from this era was just gold yeah i i think for me the one as a grown adult who has now learned things i think pocahontas is probably the one that i'm like i don't need to watch that anymore that, but i'll still yeah. go to the music but like the if i if you're asking me like which disney movie from this era you're like is your least favorite for me honestly it's the hunchback of notre dame really yeah i, ju- I don't like song. quasimodo's voice i i don't ah. like that heavy vibrato I just I can't I I don't like it. Well, if you um, it, yeah, and with this and era, the gargoyles. Oh yeah, no, the gargoyles do not age well at all. Um, but we're talking favorites here, so yeah. um, oh, God. so to list them, yes, to list them first, we have the Little Mermaid, the Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, the Lion King, Pocahontas, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, and Tarzan to end the Renaissance era, which ran from 1989 to 1999. Uh, For me, I'm going to say my favorite is Beauty and the Beast. We just celebrated the 30th anniversary, and there is an amazing special that's on Disney Plus where they kind of do a a big reenactment of the big musical numbers. It's really good. The guy they got to do Gaston knew the assignment and nailed it. Like that's a big man swoon for me. Like the the minute he comes out and he 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 hits that uh that Gaston like I know Lafou uh, he he hits it and I'm like oh swoon, but uh, 
Shania Twain singing and doing an interpretation of Beauty and the Beast, that one, that one too, just like, oh, it hit a core memory because that's the last movie I remember like my entire family going to see in theaters, Mm. both my sisters, my mom, my dad and me. We all went to the theaters to see this movie. They didn't just drop us off and they went to go see a different movie. Everyone had a connection to this movie yeah, in my family. And yeah. It was just fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I, I think that that's a big reason why I think Beauty and the Beast is my favorite. You can't go wrong with 85% of these movies. Yeah. The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, mm-hmm. Hercules, I think has its moments, but it's probably more middling. Mulan, I think, is really good. And Tarzan is right there as well. Like all any of them, really just. Yeah. So whoever wants to go next, I'm rambling at this point. <laughs> go, Peppa. Oh, gosh. OK. Uh Oh, God. OK. This is so hard because I, I know I inevitably have to pick, but it's a three way tie for me between Hercules, Aladdin and the Rescuers Down Under. Uh, the, and I know I'll pick one. I know, I know. I'll, I'll narrow it down. But literally all of these movies, except for Pocahontas and no- Hunchback of Notre Dame, I did not see those two as a kid. All of these movies on this list, I watched on repeat countless times. Yeah, we're hitting our nostalgia area yeah. here. Like this is prime. Like we're all somewhere between like six and five or six and three, somewhere in there. And yeah. like yep. home video is becoming a, a bigger thing. Yep, VHSs yep. are becoming more affordable. You can sit still and actually watch a movie without your parents threatening to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Rental stores are a thing now. So like you can rent DV, rent VHS and yeah. bring them back and watch yep. them however many times you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Two of my favorite not princess princesses are from this era. Uh, one being uh, Jane from Tarzan. I fucking love her. I love her so much. And, uh, oh my god, Meg, Megara mm. from Hercules. Yeah. If I absolutely have to pick one, I'll have to pick my second favorite Disney princess. This is the, 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 my number one movie growing up as a kid, Aladdin. I rewatched Aladdin, uh, last year, uh, or sorry, this year in the future after we record this podcast. <laughs> um, and it just, uh, it immediately still held up uh, so well. I also watched Rescuers Down Under again. And oh, God, that's such a good movie. It's such a good movie that takes its time with stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I forgot John Candy was in it. And it was so fun. Uh, but Aladdin, I have to give it to Robin Williams. Jasmine's beautiful and fuck anybody who says that she's like a weak character. She isn't. She's like the only person who stands up for herself in that whole movie. She refuses to marry people. And when she eventually does, it's her choice because she fell in love. And if you watch the animated series, they don't get married right away. So like another Disney princess, but we'll be on that later. Uh, No. (laughs) And no matter what gender you are. Abu will something in you. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine in that slinky red outfit trying to seduce oh, Jafar. Man. As a child, you're just like, Why do I feel funny? This is new. <laughs> this is new. new. <laughs> mommy, can I please have a poster of Mommy, that? sorry. Mommy, sorry. <laughs> mommy, sorry. <laughs> I think that's also the last time they really mention a princess's age for a while because i think jasmine's 16 no no she was like 14 or 15 
Like she's one of the younger well, she's ones. She's gonna I be think. she's gonna be sixteen though, because yeah. she has to be married by her sixteenth. Yeah, birthday. yeah. So she's and they did, and then Disney's like, hey, maybe we should poo-poo that because there are some states that say the legal age is eighteen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Aka uh, most, but I understand. Yeah, and a- Ariel, uh, like as a parent, that's now, right. Ariel Ariel's going, like sixteen. I'm not something. a child. Yeah. Oh, she, no. she's sixteen. One of them's yeah. fourteen. Yeah, like, who the I'm, hell is fourteen? I know one Disney princess. I know Moana's fourteen. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Oh my god! I think Aurora was also sixteen. Yeah, probably. Josh, I agree with you though. I rewatched Little Mermaid again. Like I just went through a binge like, this this past year. Cough cough. Every time <laughs> I hear Ariel go, but I'm not a child anymore. I am my own adult. I am sixteen years old. I'm just like ah, uh, uh, you know nothing. You know nothing, little girl. <laughs> you still have a whole life to live. Right. It's like, this is why Hans Christian Andersen had you die at the end of this movie. But anyway, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Uh-oh, salty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she did turn into seafoam at the end of the story. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then she serves a thousand years of penance in heaven. God. Oh. <laughs> Imagine if Disney animated that into the movie. <laughs> what a different company we would have. <laughs> the Little Mermaid, What Dreams May Come edition. <laughs> um, I'm going to side with Josh. It is Beauty and the Beast. Because just the beginning with the little storybook tale where you realize the prince is 16 and therefore a dick. And it, apparently he has to decide before he turns 21, I think. God. <laughs> Something weird yeah. like that. Be our guest, Mrs. Potts. I mean, there's little things you pick up like when you're an adult, like um, Lumiere hitting on the um, the, 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 the feather, feather duster. duster. Yeah. And it turns out she's a French maid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's so many questions like, why is all the cutlery and silverware people? <laughs> like, they all have their jobs, right? Like, Hogsworth is keeping the time. He's like this person. You know, the feather duster is a French maid. She's Alex, like the head I'm sorry. of the... That's the second time you've said it. The film is set in France. She's just a maid. Oh, that's right. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many servants did they have that needed to be plates? Right, right. <laughs> well, don't forget there's an entire cupboard full of apparently Mrs. Potts' children. Oh, God. That's so yeah, creepy. Yeah, she had a... You know, Jessica Fletcher was busy. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I will never, I mean, it has the great villain song of, you know, st- when you're, they're storming mm-hmm. the castle. It, the, the beauty of the moment where he takes away um, the mirror from her and he flashes it to the crowd as the beast is roaring, not in, in pain, not in anger. Yeah. That it's just the twist manipulation of that, the, the kill the beast song. And, there's something about the ending where the beast has just given up, where he's learned to be a person. Yeah. He's watching, you know, the rose. There's one left. And it's barely, it's starting to dangle. He, he doesn't even want to defend himself. He's letting Gaston kill him because he's learned his lesson now at the ripe old age of like 21. Yeah. Well, he's lived such a miserable <laughs> existence. And I know. he thinks that I mean, he, that's his repentance. He's like, I'm done. Being a teenager is rough. We all yeah. know that. <laughs> I mean, going through puberty at 11, becoming a beast, but it's, I, I have 
never seen quite like a moment like that. And it's really movies hardly, I mean, they ape on it. Of course, you know, the hero kind of giving up and then they see his love off in the distance or her love or whatever. And they get that final thing, just, you know, start fighting, but to see it in animation with the sounds of like an animal being wounded. Yeah. As he's mm-hmm. just getting defeat, as he's being beaten, and then of course we have the trope of the villain kind of kills himself, <laughs> falling right? to their death. They're like my hubris. Yeah, but it, I love this movie, and I a few years back they released it in uh, 3D, and it looks so gorgeous. There's only like one moment that totally breaks it. It's when Bella runs out and she's like doing her the sound of music moment. It. The, it looks terrible in 3D because it looks like they took a two-dimensional character and flick it, like a paper figure and just spun it. <laughs> but the rest of the movie, the way they removed the cell, you know, each layer of cells and just placed it for the depth, it's it's yeah, it really gets me because it tells in a love story that is not it matters what's inside of you, and it's okay to let people go. So I I have two other two additional thoughts on this. Um, before we move on one Gaston gets two villain songs and they both rock. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and every last inch of me's covered with hair. <laughs> Same <laughs> fam. <laughs> yes. And his best, his best, the best part in the entire opening is when he's going on about how much he wants to woo and marry Bill. <laughs> yes. So the other thing is the very end of the movie, when the beast is transformed after Bell says, I love you. Bell is like so dense in that moment. It drives me insane as an adult. She literally sees like the magic beams coming off of him and him transforming. And she's, he's like, Bell, it's me. And she's just looking at him like, who the fuck are you? Maybe she's just so shell shocked. She looks into his eyes and she's like, oh, those eyes. I could never forget those eyes. Even though I've seen those eyes on a picture of you. Yeah. (laughs) It just. She drives, it drives me crazy at that moment. What a rugged 11 year old. (laughs) (laughs) FBI, open up. (laughs) They matured faster back then. Yeah. God damn. Uh, So to bring back um, things awakening in all of us. uh, Oh no. (laughs) The. I have talked to many a lady. Oh, God. Yeah. And they have always been disappointed in whoever they cast as the human form of the beast. And this includes in the movies. Because, like, my uh, my wife, she's just like, oh, he's so unattractive as a human. No, no, for real. Uh, that's He's weird looking as a human. Like, yes! super weird looking. So, uh, not that I was attracted to Beast Beast, but in comparison to Human Beast... <laughs> Uh, like yeah oh he's weird looking they they made him way too weirdly proportioned like his back is huge he's got like almost like a hunch in, and he's he's still massive so he's like leaning over too far to bell like is bell four foot ten and he's like <laughs> six foot one I like mean, possibly. he's it's it's crazy yeah. the, the 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 dispersion the the size discrepancy and everything but yeah, yeah. I, I i get what you're saying it is really weird and like they they try to keep like certain proportions to the beast to like well, yeah, he was like the beast was huge because look at how muscular and handsome he is. But they like go way too overboard into the handsomeness to the point where it's like, uh, y- you went you went to the other side of the line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it never quite works. Agreed. Post Renaissance era. Go, Josh. Tell us about this. There's so many things in the, in Disney animation where 
something is just ahead of its time that it just it can't Disney just can't figure out what it is like that happened with Beauty and the Beast or not Beauty and the Beast Sleeping Beauty. We're not talking about about a goofy movie. And I think that also happens with Tarzan as well as Atlantis and Treasure Planet, which in the post Renaissance era from 1999 to 2009, we have Fantasia 2000, Dinosaur, The Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, Home on the Range, (laughs) Chicken Little. Meet the Robinsons and <laughs> Bolt. <clears throat> may, may may I? May I? Y- you may. <laughs> Emperor's New Groove. There's no other answer, and if it is, you're wrong. Okay, I'm done. I said what I need to say. I agree. Yep. Yep. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be contrarian and oh, say oh. I'm editing out this part of the episode. Who says you get to edit the episode? <laughs> You still haven't gone over your tutorial. (laughs) I'm going to go with Lilo and Stitch. Uh, I I can't, I can't knock the, the Elvis soundtrack along with just like, it's, it's just super fun and cute. Like it, it nails everything. I could never get into that movie. I could never get into that movie. Uh, And like Nani, especially the Lilo's older sister, like there's memes going around. She's a, she's an 18 year old kid who's, trying to be a mother to her sister and trying to pull a full-time job while her sister is also a little hellion who decides to adopt a little hellion alien thinking it's a dog like i there, there's just so much in that movie that i i think is really solid but like yeah the emperor emperor's new groove i think is the correct answer you're right josh it is yeah <laughs> I, agree. I, I think it is it is a, a, a it is a, a definitive disney classic um, I think it, Atlantis is one of those as well, but it, I, I think it falls into the same pit that Treasure Planet does, where they try to get a little too Disney at certain points. Like Atlantis has too many characters. That's the biggest flaw of that movie. And so many of those characters are just too over the top. It's the dirt mole man, like the guy who likes to dig and everything like that guy is just too over the top. You've got plenty of other people in there. Oh, what the heck is the big dude's name? Tiberius Rourke. Is that who you mean? The commander? Uh, no, Dr. Or do Sweet. You mean, uh... Dr. Sweet. Oh, Dr. Sweets? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Sweets, I think, is probably one of the best minority representations Disney has in their movies at this point, if we're not counting something like Aladdin, where a lot of those characters are very white passing. I think Dr. Sweet is probably one of the first really good positive representations of a minority character. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got to say about the post-Renaissance era. Like everything else, I think you could really kind of chuck in the bin. Uh, you can keep the Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, and Treasure Planet, and Meet the Robinsons. I think everything else, especially Home on the Range, can go in the bin. Home on the Range can like get the ET treatment, just gather every copy of every copy made, <laughs> and just <laughs> bury it in a pit and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Fantasia 2000 is beautiful and lovely. And has some of the best animation they've ever done. But they didn't know what to do with it. It was Rory Disney's like $120 million passion project to like kind of like do something for his father and his uncle. And it didn't quite work out. But I still love it. Dinosaur, I have no freaking clue what the hell they tried to do with that. And it's obvious that apparently Disney slash Pixar doesn't know what to do with dinosaurs. Because whatever the heck that dinosaur movie Pixar released like five years ago was complete garbage as well. 
Emperor's New Groove is lovely and beautiful and perfect. And how dare anyone ever say anything bad about it because it is lovely. I almost on a daily basis, no exaggeration, still say, I'll put it in a box and then I'll put that box inside of another box and I'll mail it to myself. And when it arrives, <laughs> I'll smash it with a hammer. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I make spinach puffs, and every time I do, I have to pretend I'm Kronk. My friend and I, uh, this past, this, this current year in 2022, <laughs> have rewatched the movie together at least three oh, yeah. times, and every time we're still in stitches to the point where we're wheezing like old men, and it's just, mm-hmm. it still just holds up, and it's just so funny and charming, and, uh, I- I'm not a huge David Spade fan, uh, but like he will forever be Cusco and just the best. He'll he'll always be the yeah, best. He's the best in Disney oh, yeah. prince. I will say one of the one of the dumbest but best bits. It, it, like just transcends everything. Like it's a comedy bit that every culture can understand. Is when Kronk is like a squeak 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 squeaking squeak squeaker squeak squeaker. <laughs> hey, hey Cusco. Poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. Cusco's poison. That poison. Yes, yes. that poison. <laughs> I, every once in a while, just randomly will shout, Yay, I'm a llama! Yay, I'm a llama! <laughs> yeah. Wait. Um, yeah. I, and that movie has, I just love at the end when they're racing back to, when yes, racing back to yes. the castle and you're seen on the map, they're leaving trail lines of where they're yeah. going. And then they even see them. They look down like, I know, was even I love one? that so much. And they get back and they're like, how did you beat us? And he pulls out the map. He's like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't it, quite make logically, sense. Logically, it, it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does, for being cobbled together at the last minute from like an old script, uh, from like, to, by tossing a script out. And apparently every song Sting had ever written for Yeah, it. yeah. None of the music stayed except for the opening. And even the opening was yeah. supposed to be a whole lot longer. Uh, my my friend Erica uh, was actually telling me a lot of the behind the scenes history of it because this is like that's like her favorite movie easily and uh, and Peter Pan but that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it just works and it's so funny and it just bombed and it's so I sad. Know. But I, but the sequel movie was okay. The TV series was kind of fun. I never got to see any of the extra stuff. I, I'm kind of curious if I, if I should. Oh yeah, watch it because Kronk's voice comes back for all. Yay, of it. Patrick and, Wahlberg, and it's just charming. And I believe Eartha Kitt does this too. For Patrick Warburton. Warburton. I thought it was okay. Yeah, him. <laughs> Atlantis: The Lost Empire has a special place in my heart because my spouse and I, when we first got together, she likes to have something on the background when she goes to sleep, and we somehow wore out a DVD. Aww. <laughs> By having the Atlantis Lost Empire just on repeat, just would play and it just start it, like once they get sailing, that was apparently my body trigger to just pass out. There you go. You had like a Pavlov's dog, yeah. but Pavlov's sleepy time. Yeah. Exactly. And, that, and that's where I get the whole like carrots. Why is it always carrots? Because that Michael J. Fox moment is just so true because it's like, yeah, when I'm sick, why is it always carrots? Yeah. <laughs> but I will say there was one thing in that movie that pisses me off so much it's when he is an expert on the atlantean language and studies and understands everything and he can read it uh-huh. and he and then she says her name uh kika uh kika or neck 
whatever her name is, and he can't repeat it. I'm like, and she's like, you can just call me Kita. I'm like, that is for the audience. That is against the character, and how dare yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he breaks it. And then when he he teaches her how to fly the damn Atlantean ships, he's like, okay, did you put the crystal in? Yes, I knew you put the crystal in. Did you give it a quarter turn? Yes, I gave it a quarter turn. Did you turn the other way? No. Oh. I'm like, really? You're literally 1,500 years old. Right. You never once thought to like plug it in and just fiddle back and forth right, a little bit. Right, right. Uh, other than that, and Lilo and Stitch, yes, is adorable, but Treasure Planet's horrible. Brother Bear is horrible. Home on the Range is horrible. Chicken Little is terrible. Me the Robinsons is terrible. And I want to meet whoever it is at Disney that John Travolta had the dirt on to give him the lead in Bolt because I want to find that person and I want that dirt because I want to make a movie. <laughs> Bolt, had, Bolt had a lot of potential, but John Travolta being a puppy makes no goddamn sense. I need to know if that person is still there. Are they a VP of something? What is the yeah. dirt? I don't need a hundred million dollars. Just give me like 40. We can make a movie with it. God. <laughs> anyway. Agreed. Agreed. For the most part. <laughs> Meet the Robinsons is adorable because I, I still every once in a while quote to myself the whole like, why can't you get them? I'm a, I'm a big head and little arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only thing I remember about that Aww. damn movie. The, there are some great quotable moments from the, the post Renaissance era as far as like the good movies. Uh, but yeah, like big head, little arms. That's that's one that I say fairly often, especially with uh, the baby, because for anyone who doesn't know about babies, they have short little arms. Yeah. And big. And heads. they can't bring their and So like they can't bring their hands over their heads. So every now and then I'll just like raise my arms at the baby and be like, hey, look what I can do. And she'll she'll try to bring them up and they just stop like at the top yeah. of her temples. I got a big head, little arms. Picking on your baby. Yeah, that's what <laughs> they can't talk back yet. Yeah. It's the best time. Best part of being a parent. <laughs> My boss has a shirt and has a T-Rex on it with like the little extender claws that like, you know, like you see people get to pick yeah. stuff up off the ground. It's like unstoppable on it. It says, now I am invincible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, but speaking of people at Disney getting a raw deal or getting weird things over, like one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about uh, Sleeping Beauty I don't know if you have seen the character actors and the wig they have to wear for the guys that play Prince Philip, but oh, no. they give him the Bieber do when he's just got like a nice little pompadour. Who the hell thought that was a good idea? I'm Googling that and it looks terrible. Yeah. The, Prince Philip is probably one of the best Disney princes. And yet they give him like the shittiest hairdo. I don't get it. So moving into the revival era from 2009, uh, which I'm, I'm cutting off at 2018 because there's a very important, executive change at this point we have the princess and the frog which is the last 2d animated feature from disney currently we have tangled winnie the pooh frank and weenie wreck it ralph frozen big hero 6 zootopia moana and ralph breaks the internet which up until ralph breaks the internet that is hit after hit after hit after hit after mm -hmm. hit in my opinion like that is just a stretch that rivals the renaissance the Disney Renaissance, excuse me. Maybe Frank and Weenie is an exception. Like that's that's the exception that proves the rule, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> as well as Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah, yeah. So like this one is a real tough pick one because like for me this era especially is like how am I feeling today is my favorite movie. <laughs> some days it's Tangled, some days it's Big Hero Six, some days it's Moana. Uh, if if you had to. If you said you have to pick a final answer on this, for me, it would probably be Tangled. 
but that doesn't take away from Moana, Big Hero 6, uh, the the first Wreck-It Ralph, um, Winnie the Pooh, again, like that one is great. It's really short, like it just barely hits the feature film limit, which I think it has to be like 60 minutes. And I think it's like 62 minutes to be considered a feature length. This is the easiest choice ever. My favorite Disney princess, my favorite Disney movie is Tangled. Um, absolutely. I, I love it. Everything about it. I love the characters. I love the music. I love the lessons. I love how it addresses things like mental and emotional abuse in a really subtle way. But like, if you've experienced that or you know how to recognize those, you see it. And the animated series actually expanded upon Rapunzel's childhood PTSD and stuff, essentially being locked away and finding out that your mother was never actually your mother and was a sociopathic kidnapper essentially um it's at i i don't have a bad thing to say uh, about tangled i love it dearly and i always will it it plays a really good balance because like it it jumps over into like some looney tune style humor with uh, maximus and flynn's rivalry but it it also has a whole lot of heart yeah. Which you can say whatever the hell you want about like plot holes with like, why does Mother Gothel give her her name? And why does Mother Gothel let her know her birthday? She doesn't care. She doesn't think Rapunzel's ever leaving. So she probably just is lazy and doesn't care about thinking of anything new for her. Right. Right. There are very few instances where. Oh, sorry. Tangled. Yeah, I agree. Tangled's the best. There are very few instances where a movie is meant to be in 3D. And this is the post-Avatar world, which we're not living in again right now in 2023, uh, 2022, but where 3D is, where everything is 3D and they're trying to just milk that extra 450 for you to pay for the glasses that you actually end up returning back. So it's a money-making scheme. But this movie, there is a moment with the lanterns on the lake. Oh, yeah. Where somebody... I don't know if like somebody ran into James Cameron and said, Hey, how would you do this? And he did it himself or something, but the lanterns on the lake, the way it it came out in IMAX over the audience were there was floating. And I remember my wife reaching out Yes, because it was so well done and so beautiful, the music. And it looked like the lanterns were actually starting to fall into the audience. Yeah. And that scene gets me because it's right before everything turns. And it wasn't until maybe the second or third time that I was watching Tangled that I realized that when Mother Gothel is talking about how much she loves Rapunzel, she's never looking at Rapunzel. She's looking at Rapunzel's hair. Everything she touches is just her hair. Everything. And that's what I love is Eugene is the first person to not only... He, there's a motif of Mother Gothel constantly grabbing the hair and p- bringing it in front of Rapunzel's face or her body. Eugene brushes the hair from her face a lot, and he doesn't care about that. He cares about her, and it's it's a really beautiful motif, and, and I love it. Yeah, I, I adore this movie so much. So I need to apologize to you guys. I did forget one movie in this era that... Uh... <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> and that is the lion king oh fuck oh off. yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck it's okay. it, doesn't, it doesn't actually count anyway because it wasn't made by walt disney animation studios oh my god 
Fuck off with your nonsense. <laughs> There's only one thing that I that I have wondered about, and because I am a slightly sadistic. So her hair gets cut yes. off, and she can now heal by crying because she brings him basically back to life. Because he's basically dead. Yeah, uh, go ahead and ask your question because oh, I'll, an an, I'll have an answer. Does she cure? Does she cure everything through her tears? Do we need to like make her feel sad daily to like fix all diseases? <laughs> that is something I wonder because she can basically stop time with her hair, reheal injuries, you know, de-age Mother Gothel, all this stuff. But now it's her tear. Uh, so the tear was the last remnants of her magic. That's what made it so special was that was all that was left. So the single tear was all that was left of her healing magic. She actually never technically regains the healing magic in the show. She does regain some magic, but it's a different type of magic. But yes, no, the tear at the end of the movie is the last literal last drop of the sun drop flower. So, okay. So that explains why she did not bring Anna and Elsa's. Uh, parents back to yes life. yes it. exactly also they were drowned in the bottom of a sea well, we don't know that i mean and ariel was visiting their their ship all the time yeah yep <laughs> oh it's all connected <laughs> <laughs> tarzan is distantly related to the beast and bell yeah i know uh, <laughs> yes and let's not all forget cars is a post-apocalyptic future <laughs> in which the cars <laughs> overtook us and killed us and now went <laughs> took over our world oh god Thank God we didn't have to talk about planes. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God damn. Okay, so I, I cut this movie, or I cut this era off, uh, the revival era, at 2018 with Wreck-It Ralph 2. That's because John Lasseter, that, that was the, the last movie he was involved in. Yes. Uh, before he got booted for being a horrible human being and a predator. Allegedly. Our legal team says allegedly, <laughs> so we don't get our asses sued by Disney. Or John Lasseter. Thank you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Fair point. I, I need to get an interface with a sound clip, and I can just have Alex a sound clip of Alex saying allegedly. allegedly yes, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Moving into the post Lasseter era, we have four movies as we speak. We have Frozen Two, Ryan the Last Dragon, Encanto, and Strange World. It, it has to be Encanto for all three of us. Like everything else is very middling, if not just not very good. Uh, like Ryan, the last dragon, visually amazing, like visually it looks great. Story-wise, it has like one of the worst messages in a Disney movie ever yeah. outside of like Home on the Range. Hands down for me, uh, Ryan, the last dragon was one of the biggest disappointments that I've experienced from just a movie in general. Not just like, oh, a Disney movie that disappointed. No, like a legitimate movie that completely disappointed me. I could go on all day about reasons why I hated that movie. As far as you kind of saying Encanto has to be our favorite, I have to agree. Even Encanto wasn't one of my favorites. There were aspects about it that I didn't care for. I, I honestly, I'm not a big fan of the music. I don't really like Lin-Manuel Miranda. I do not like a lot of the songs from it, but the... Beppo? The, yes? You're my soulmate. Yes! <laughs> Thank yes. you. I, I don't like him either. Once I realize that every song he writes is the exact same Pretty song. Pretty much, yeah. I can't unhear it. That's the part that bothers me about Moana is that you're welcome is just you're going to miss me. Yeah. But how far, I'll, how far I'll go and we know the way are fantastic. 
Yeah, but I don't think he was really involved with those. I'm pretty sure those are he just added his name to them when they were like putting when they were printing the CDs. Either that or he was just there to oversee <laughs> actual artists doing the music. Mm-hmm. Uh no, I I absolutely hate I want to like the music, but I do not like under the surface. I want to cuz I like the what the song is about, but I hate it with a passion. I absolutely hate I like it. the chorus, but everything else around it I don't like. Yeah. Like I'm the strong one. I'm not I'm nervous. nervous. Yeah. Like it's the and like maybe that's how he designed the song. Like I talked about this with Lewis in in our Encanto review, which is in the future of <laughs> when we release these episodes. Yeah. But yeah, like the the chorus is great and pressure like a drip 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 that'll never stop. Like that's great, but mm-hmm. like everything else around that is just it it the the tempo is just off. And it does not resonate with me. Yeah. The the story of Encanto, at least, I think really works. And then the the Dos Orguitos, uh, I think is this the name of the song. I can't I, I always get it wrong, which again in the future you will hear me admit to it and Lewis will Orguitas? Orguitas. Dos Orguitas. <laughs> That's the the name of it. That song, like that'll that'll get the 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 tear ducts yeah. work in. Like it, it gets it gets dusty when that song comes on. Yeah. It's it's beautiful, it really is. But yeah, no, I, I wasn't a fan of really any of the songs. And yes, there's a couple that will get stuck in your head. They're very great earworms, but they're not exactly stuck in my head for a positive reason. Uh, they're mostly just there because I, I think they're kind of annoying and I feel bad. But as far as the content of the movie and kind of what it covers as far as like family trauma and things like that, I know this isn't a Disney movie, but it was the same kind of feeling that I connected with with Turning Red. Yeah, I. But I know that's not Disney. That was Pixar, technically. But and I believe that's a review we'll be doing in the future in the future as well. As well. Yes, exactly. You'll know my I think my it, feelings when Josh, I see Beppo it. and Becky. Yes, aka Becky and Beppo, just going on about how much we love the movie and related to it. <laughs> because Josh, like me, no, know what girl puberty is. <laughs> you guys have fun. I'll sit over here and and uh. Do my own thing. Bye. <laughs> In the future, there will also be a really great episode of Baymax about a girl having her period for the first time, which I strongly recommend everyone watch. Especially if you're a parent uh, with a daughter or something like that, because uh, it'll help. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I loved the message of it. My favorite aspect of it was realizing that, oh, what's her name? The main character. Mirabel. Mirabel. She, you know, she was chastised because she didn't have a power, but it obviously the movie kind of ends with showing that her power is being the next head of the family. She doesn't have one superpower. She has the power of of love and compassion and the ability to be strong and lead a family again. And it was what the fourth generation or third generation. So it kind of almost hints that maybe every three or four generations, a new head will be born. So for me, I'm thinking, Oh, that's cool. So when her grandchild or great grandchild is born and has no powers, instead of them chastising and treating them like they are different, she's going to raise that child in order to be the Professor X of the home. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's that's a fate worse than death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, I I love the movie. I love 
the visuals. I love the message. And I love how it has this message. And of course, it's Disney. So it's it's almost always going to be like, things are peachy keen after everything. But there is kind of a lasting thing where things aren't going to be perfect with this family. Not everything is just peachy keen a-okay at the end of it. But they're going to learn and they're going to get there. That's my rant. Fuck Ryan the last dragon. <laughs> Do you agree, Encanto, of these four post-John Lasseter is the best one of the four that we've had so far? Yeah, since I haven't had a chance to watch Strange World since it doesn't come out until November, I'm going to have to go with Encanto. <laughs> Fair. Which it's amazing that you've heard about Strange World because there there hasn't been anything really announced about it. No, I don't think the trailer drops until like summer. I think it's like two days before the movie comes out, I, th- I, I think. <laughs> Frozen 2 was just a weird mixed bag of disappointment that I walked out like actively hating that movie. I remember our review on it. I was just ranting about how it seemed unfinished and it seemed like they decided to like ripped off the best parts of the MCU and to go with it. Great, great songs in Frozen 2. I think Frozen 2 has better songs than Frozen 1, but the story is just so everywhere and it, it doesn't work. Right in the last dragon, I just, I had hopes for, but it didn't hit me in any kind of meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like Encanto. I some of the, I mean, the pressure song is fun the first like sixteen times you hear it, but then it it's the drip 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 part that's good. Everything else is just nah. and the visuals are the strongest part of this movie about how, and I really do like all the Easter eggs of like the sister who can hear thing actually does hear and know Bruno's yeah. there. She's just hiding it. And as you watch the movie, like rewatch it, you can see when she picks up on it and they hide him kind of like Mickey in the various parts of the, of the film, the sucker punch of just how that family came to be about where in the forest of getting the flashback of the family and the father uh, and her husband and the children and the, Oh, that just, Oh, no, that was a super crazy emotional, like really well done. Yeah. I, I think the story is a lot better than the music, which really kind of annoys me that the music is like what people were talking about and how awesome it is. And, and I really do love the, you know, that the strong sister, apparently the directors fought with Disney overhead overlords about letting her actually be tall and letting her and buff instead of like, okay, no, she needs to be like four foot 11 and she needs to be just a waif, but she's super strong. And they're like, no, we're going to give her kind of like, you know, a working farm girl's body and there ain't nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and there are weird things about the movie. Like I can never quite understand while Maribel is supposedly like 15 or 16, why they keep having her sleep, sleep in like the infant's room. Because <laughs> she never got the <laughs> magic I, room. I know, but it's, it, it always bothers me because I'm like, is she still sleeping like on like a twin size cot? I like mean, think about it though. She's kind of abused well, she's kind of abused by the family. They don't respect yeah. her because she doesn't have powers, so they still treat her like a child because to them, she's nothing more than an oversized baby. She hasn't matured like everyone else, but their idea of mature is getting powers. You don't realize that, no, mature means that... I mean, she's the most mature person in that entire family as far as actual maturity goes. So it's almost like a just a huge kick in the ass and kicking the neds that she, yeah she still has to be in the baby room basically that's the part that always just kind of like threw me off was i'm like every time i see, I see it that part just seems so 
just alien that she would not have at least a full size bed somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I get, I get what they're what they're telling. It's just that part has always bothered me just a little bit because it seems like so casually evil, like even from her parents. It's passive aggressive, like, is what it is. But I really just do love it, and I love all the little moments that get hidden within there, and that. Yeah, her her magic is that she actually knows how to be a good person, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty much, and it. that's okay. Yeah, definitely. So we're gonna we're gonna do a, a quick time jump here because I, I gave you guys homework. We're recording this now on uh, January fifteenth at almost ten p.m. Uh, I gave you homework to watch Strange World as it has dropped on Disney Plus. Did you guys get a chance to get around to it? I didn't like it. I did not get a chance to, so I will listen to your guys' opinions. Okay, I'm going to go first so Alex can do a rant. Um, I thought it was fine. The movie clearly got buried because they were scared of the right wing nuts going like, oh, it's they're forcing woke culture on us, which woke is the dumbest insult ever because it it makes no sense. You're awake where I'm admitting to being asleep and not having my eyes open to things like, okay, good for you. Yeah. But basically, I'm not going to spoil Strange World because I, I do recommend people watch it. Uh, I think there is some good stuff in there, but it's Moana meets journey to the center of the earth and the parents come along for the ride. That's, that's basically it. Alex, go ahead with your rant. Well, if we're not going to spoil it, then I can't really rant, but my issue with this movie is twofold. One, the big reveal twist that happens like three fourths of the way through the movie should have been part of the damn, damn movie to begin with. That, that should have been just a known factor because that makes the strange world way more interesting. And you can kind of see it being telegraphed if you know anything about anatomy. Yeah, it, it that kind of spoils it, but there there's yeah. really obvious signs once you know what the movie's trying to tell you. It makes the characters seem stupid that they didn't realize this like long ago, and that part bothers me. And I'm sorry, but Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid were so wrongly cast. Like I I, I don't I don't like those voices. They I I, I didn't I didn't dig it. Having them along for me just threw, brought me out of it so much that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah, Dennis Quaid. I wonder if he's going to return to like Twister 2. That's, <laughs> that's actually a really good conversation that uh, Ricky and I have been having because our kids have been watching Spirit Untamed on Blu-ray a lot lately. And it has it's it's got the same problem that I have with like the My Little Pony movie where it's got this all-star cast of like Jake Gyllenhaal, Julianne Moore, um, Andre Brower, like there's, there's celebrities that, you know, and in an animated movie, like you hear Jake Gyllenhaal, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's Jake Gyllenhaal. But like, there's nothing really unique about Julianne Moore's voice that you're like, that's Julianne Moore. I need to see that movie because of her. Right. And it's kind of the same thing with this movie where again, Jake Gyllenhaal is just being Jake Gyllenhaal. Dennis Quaid's trying to do something where he's, he's doing a kind little bit of. of a gravelly voice. But, uh, I texted this to you like the day after I watched the movie, because like there was something about the names that drove me nuts, which part of it is just the names are dumb. It's Clade Jaeger and Searcher Jaeger, which, okay, fine. This whoever wrote this movie has like an affinity for 70s and 80s sci fi uh, serials. But like, mm-hmm. OK, whatever. But Clade Jaeger was driving me nuts. Or was it Jaeger Clade? It was Clade. Clade was the last name. So it was Jaeger Clade yeah. and Searcher Clade. Jaeger Clade was driving me nuts and I could not figure out why until uh, on YouTube, Mr. Sunday movies uploaded the, his tr- quintrilogy of Transformers movies. 
in which in Transformers 4 and 5, Mark Wahlberg plays a character called Cade Yeager. And it's like, oh my God, that's why I hate this name. It's reminding <laughs> me of these movies. Oh my God. See, the part that bothered me about that is every time I heard the word Jaeger, I kept hearing this Pacific Rim yeah, music in my head. Yep. And I kept hoping for they a battle. They it the same way as the Jaegers from Pacific Rim as well. Yeah, I was hoping for that. I was like, yeah, like let's get some Pacific Rim stuff going on. Which actually kind of makes sense with the twist of the movie. <laughs> oh my God. It's true. The movie's fine. The music's okay. It's just it's very much just fine middle of the road. Like they they clearly they had the gay son, which everyone in the movie is fine with. There's never an issue of no. There's there's no problem with that. I was I was half expecting uh, Jaeger played to say something when they started talking about how they're interested in this guy and he's cute and there's something, but maybe. And I, I expected like something really quick and then he just moves on from it. But they just don't even acknowledge like the fact that in our world, there would be like a moment of hesitation from almost anyone. But I like I like that, though, because it's showing that there's nothing. It's showing normalcy to it. Yes. And yes. that's and the, that to was... me for LGBTQ representation being treated like a normal person as opposed to an anomaly is what feels good. Uh, and that's yes. what we should be striving for. So I, yes. I enjoy that. I, I'm really glad that's how they treated it. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I was pleasantly surprised because yeah. it, it, the most of the movie is just Jaeger Clade and searcher Clade having this like back and forth about like, Oh, I'm the old generation. You're the new generation and whatever. And now we have got a third generation and it, it's it's a lot of that. So I thought like, oh, me, he he's the old school guy where Jake Gyllenhaal's character is the new school guy. So he's like cool with it, but maybe he'll be a little upset. No, it's just a normal thing in their world. And that's great because, again, it's it's normalcy. You're you're just accepting it and you're helping build that normalcy into our culture by doing that. Yep. It would just be nice if it was a better movie. that yes. was better cast. Like, I don't I don't get why whoever the writer or directors are, were so insistent on this is going to be an amazing reveal at the beginning of the third act and blow everyone's minds. And we have to keep this buried and hidden from all the promotional stuff. And it, it weakens everything leading up to that. And that is a problem. There is a fundamental story error. The representation is not a problem because representation shouldn't be a problem. Exactly. Speaking of which, um, a few days ago, I, I was really upset to learn, because now we're in the future talking about this movie, that they canceled uh, Uncoupled on Netflix, the Neil Patrick Harris, basically Sex in the City movie uh, TV series, because I love that series. It was so well, it was so well done. It was interesting. It told a viewpoint of the different generational um, stories. You know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is playing a guy, I believe he's like 47. So he came up in the, you know, the 80s and 90s of the discovery and it was really meaningful to come out and what kind of world is. And he's been with his uh, he's been with his husband for the last 10 years since it's been legal, but they were together much longer than that. Now they're going through a divorce and he's starting to discover what it's like to date not only people that are your similar age, but then younger than you of being a gay man in New York. And it was it was such a show that kind of bridged the different cultures within the LGBT community of, yeah, now that we've had this kind of legacy group that has experienced, Hey, we fought, we won the right for being married. And this other group, this 
other group coming underneath it that's like, yeah, this is all just normalcy and everything. We don't know why you guys are so annoyed about everything in life. Guys, get over it. It's, it's very fascinating. And I was really hoping for the second or third season of that because they built a great grouping of characters around that as he discovers what is life now for a middle-aged gay man. Yeah. And they freaking canceled it. Uh, the last thing I'm going to talk about real quick about Strange World, uh, this is going to be a really long episode. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's start wrapping this up because this edit might kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the backwards edit part with uh, Beppo's rant. Yeah. yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod. Alex also posts on there. Uh, usually it's news. Sometimes he'll post some editorialized stuff. And whenever mm-hmm. I catch that, I'll parenthesis Alex post underneath, especially when it's <laughs> something that I don't necessarily agree with, like a Tom Cruise thing. <laughs> Beppo, Allegedly. Oh, boy. Allegedly. No, it's fact. It's like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing else that I said about Tom Cruise. Uh, Allegedly. I guess the edit could crop something out, but yeah. Beppo, <laughs> please feel free to share your socials. Ah, uh, I am Beppo on everything. Uh, I don't post too much, so I apologize. Uh, but yeah. No, currently you post a lot. Yeah, oh, all the time. That's all I do. <laughs> it's in the future. You don't oh, post Oh, yeah, much. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> currently I post a ton. Uh, yeah, no, just Beppo on, on Twitter. I'm a boring person. Thank you for tuning into my TED Talk today. <laughs> please feel free to join our discord where we have a bunch of fun conversations talking about things from star trek to any other tv show like right now there's a the last of us tv series conversation going on that i'm gonna avoid because i don't have time to watch the series tonight i'll probably watch it sometime tomorrow morning uh, or sometime uh, on january 16th in the future yeah yeah exactly I'm totally not missing The Last of Us right now to record this. (laughs) (laughs) So do you see those awesome avatars for those of you on uh, our Apple podcast? You you see me, Beppo, Alex, Lewis, Scotty, Becky, all those wonderful avatars were created by Beppo. Yeah. I drew the thing. She drew the thing. She drew it. She drew it. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I clapped when I saw it. (laughs) I didn't realize she had a Druish. (laughs) (laughs) And our, our wonderful Ricky avatar was created by retro ale studios. Please like subscribe, rate review the podcast. It helps us out so much. If you can, Mm -hmm. if for those of you listening on good pods, those reviews help. But if you have another primary podcatcher rating on that would be a big help. Um, We don't have any current reviews, which we did get a few new ones on good pods, but this is running long, so I'm not going to read those. Please follow Beppo, follow the podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Post, Hive Social, and Facebook. And that will kind of do it. Alex, who did you get for our theme music this week? Coolio is remixing our music this week. Yay. You couldn't get Alan Menken? No. And Coolio's alive right now. <laughs> that's true. God. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. Coolio is totally 100% living. Uh, <laughs> hope nothing bad happens to him in the next the piece. curse of future knowledge <laughs> oh god <laughs> thanks everyone for listening and sorry for the bad news future bad news <laughs> Ooh. ignore everything happening to ukraine in about five minutes <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happened while i was at disney oh god <laughs> just a few weeks ago yep happiest place yeah. on earth 
Yay, the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, take care. Yes. And again, sorry for the length of this episode. I'm pretty sure this is still good. Even with a good edit, this is going to be like an hour 40 to an hour 45. Oh, boy. So sorry, Josh. Oh, so, so sorry. So excited for Doctor Strange 2. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop. I can't future. believe the villain's going to be Nightmare. <laughs> take care, everyone. Bye-bye. We haven't started the Star Trek bit yet either, I don't think, at this point. No, we haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Josh from the future, watch Star Trek. Fun, Fun story about the Jungle Book. My parents took me and my sisters to go see The Jungle Book while they went to go see Total Recall. That's uh, awesome. The Jungle Book was, was re-released oh. in theaters. And like one of my first core memories, as Alex put it, I remember I needed more popcorn, but I was like four, maybe four and a half at that point. Uh-huh. So I wasn't going to go to the concession stands by myself. My sisters didn't want to go with me. Uh-oh. So I went into the other theater to go find my parents who were sitting in the very back row by the doors. And... Uh, I walked in and it's the moment in Total Recall where the guy like opens up his shirt and you see the person in his chest just going, Wade, Wade. Yeah. And like that scarred me. I cannot watch that movie Aww. ever. Little baby because like Josh. that that just triggers little tiny four year old Josh like having an anxiety attack of like, what the hell am I looking at? Aww. <laughs>